0: Father God, you are holy, holy, holy. That describes your character and worthy is your name. Worthy to receive praise and glory and honor for you have created all things. And by your name and by your work they exist and they were created. So Lord, now as we come before you and open your word, we pray, God, that you would move in our hearts, prepare us to hear what you have us for us today and make us willing not only to listen, but to take and apply and leave change because of the work of your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, take your seats, and while you're doing that, get your Bibles out and open them up to uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 as uh, we continue in our series, A Journey of Fear and Faith. You know, there are literally hundreds of things that people are afraid of. As a matter of fact, if you do a Google search about phobias, you can go through and they're alphabetically all listed out, and there's hundreds of things that people are afraid of. Um, A specific phobia involves an intense, persistent fear of a specific object or situation that's out of proportion to the actual risk. Uh, Some of the most popular phobias would be, uh, for instance, uh, mysophobia. That's the fear of germs. And if you have this phobia, you're the person who's always washing their hands over and over again. And uh, you're the person who uses a piece of paper towel to open the door to get out of the washroom. And uh, you're just afraid that you're going to get something and you have this fear of germs. Or claustrophobia is a fear of small places. Or astrophobia is a fear of thunder and lightning. Or cynophobia is a fear of dogs. Now, acrophobia is the fear of heights. I got that one a little bit. Ophidiophobia well, is the fear of snakes. And arachnophobia is the fear of spiders. And those are some of the most common fears that people have. Some of the weirder fears that people have. Sorry if you have any of these, but uh, churrophobia is the fear of cheese. Some people are afraid of cheese, like cheese can do something to you. Somniphobia is the fear of falling asleep. I'm usually more afraid of not falling asleep. But some people are afraid to fall asleep. We talked to a lady last night who said she actually had that and it was because she had some things that were undone in her life and um, at one point before she was saved she was afraid she would die in her sleep and so uh, she had that as a phobia. Um, Courophobia is the fear of clowns. Hylophobia is the fear of trees. Here's one. Nomophobia is the fear of being without mobile phone coverage. You see, and some of you have that one. When you you see the little bars go down on your phone, you start to panic about, uh, that's the fear of not having mobile phone coverage. Um, Ombrophobia is the fear of rain, and pogonophobia is the fear of beards. People are afraid of beards. Now, my wife doesn't have this as a phobia. She just has this as a thing right now with baseball season. You get into the playoffs, and and the guys refuse to shave because they're afraid they'll lose if they shave or whatever. You got these these bushy gorillas up there now playing, and uh, so she would prefer they would just shave. But some people are literally afraid of people with beards, and so if you have one and you see people skirting around the outside of the room or the the, the lobby afterwards, it's because they're afraid of you and uh, um, fears, phobias. We all have them. No matter what the specific phobia you have, it's likely to produce some some reaction. Some of the reaction that happens for people is uh, sweating, rapid heartbeat, tight chest, difficulty breathing, feeling nausea, dizzy, even fainting. Everybody has fear. And uh, as we take a look in our series here about uh, faith and fear or fear and faith, uh, we understand we all struggle with things. And today we want to focus on a man who really struggled with some fear in his life and how God worked uh, to help him to overcome that. We find it in First Kings 18. So let's stand together. We want to honor God as we read his word. And I'm going to start at verse 1. After many days... The word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. And now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, and when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys, perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and the mules alive and not lose some of the animals. So they divided the land between them um, to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction by himself, and Obadiah went in another direction by himself. And as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is it you, my lord Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go tell your lord, behold, Elijah is here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God that we hold in our hands and that we can read, and that we can understand. We pray, Lord, that you would lead and direct us uh, through these moments as we open it and study it, that, Father, our, our ears would be careful to listen. You would give us minds to be able to understand. But, but then, Lord, you would change us. You would change our hearts so that we would leave from here different, or ready to live out what we learn. Father, we pray that your spirit would work in us and then God, through us, for the fame of our Savior Jesus, we pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. All right, you can take your seats. Well, Elijah, the journey of fear and faith. You know, fear and faith cannot exist together. Um, you have times in your life when fear takes hold and, and you realize your faith is not very strong. And then you have other times in your life when your faith is strong and fear seems to subside. They don't coexist together very well. One will rule and one will lead, the other will be pushed aside and fear simply stated is unbelief or weak belief. As unbelief gains the upper hand in our thoughts, fear takes hold of our emotions And as we look at this uh, topic today, as we look at uh, two men today, we're going to see Elijah uh, in the story and understand how strong he was and how God was working in his life. And and then we're going to see a man whose name is Obadiah and what was happening in his life. Um, A quote that's going to come up on the screen is uh, really kind of a foundation for this message. Fear rules in my life. Fear rules in my life when my focus is on the wrong things or in the wrong direction. And as you consider your own walk with the Lord and what God is doing, consider these thoughts. When I'm filled with fear, it's because my focus is on the wrong things or in the wrong direction. And we want to see that in the contrast of these two men. So let's start out by uh, talking about the story. Uh, A couple weeks ago, uh, Daniel started our series. We were in chapter uh, 17, and uh, Elijah is at the book Kareth, and we're looking at unlocking the power of faith for uh, probably more than two years maybe almost three years uh, there he is at the brook and uh, God is going to teach him some things he's going to grow up in some things this drought that's going on this lack of rain uh, goes on for three and a half years uh, before it starts to rain and most of that time is believed that that's where he was Uh, from that message I wrote down this line is something that really struck me as strong and powerful the portion of your faith will determine how God can use you The portion of your faith will determine how much God can use you. And so Elijah is by the brook, and as he's at the brook, the brook starts to dry up. Um, In verse 2 of chapter 17, And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from me here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Kareth, which is east of the Jordan, verse 7. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Uh, God promised that he would take care, he would take care of Elijah. But Elijah wasn't uh, removed from the realities of what was going on. And although God provided the food for him, he watched as the brook dried up and dried up and dried up and dried up. And then eventually the brook was dry. And when the brook was dry, then God moved him along. God took care of him. He met his promise, fulfilled it. But then he moved him on uh, to the second part of that chapter, which was the second message, was the widow of Zarephath. And we talked about living the power of, Of faith, and I wrote down, inward growth always leads to outward action. Inward growth always leads to outward action. So, those were the two takeaways for me from the last two messages. Yours might have been different, but those were two strong things that I saw. Here's another thing that I noticed about Elijah, and that was Elijah was focused on what God was saying. Elijah had a strong focus in his life and what God was saying. Uh, we see that in the first verse of our text, after many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah. That's not the first time we saw those words. We saw those words in chapter 17 verse 2, then the word of the Lord came to him. And in verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him. Elijah was in tune with what God was saying. And you see that repeated in his life. When you see things that are repeated in Scripture, you should take note of them. And it was very important for Elijah that he was doing what God was saying. Uh, David learned about that in the 119th Psalm. It says, I seek you with all my heart, verse 10. I meditate on your precepts, verse 15. I have hidden my word in your heart, verse 11. All of these things revealing the importance of God's word and listening to what God is saying to you. And so my question for us as we launch into this first part of the message is, when was the last time the word of the Lord came to you? The word of the Lord came to Elijah. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. When was the last time the word of the Lord came to you? You know, I'm fearful sometimes that some people, the only time they open their Bible is when they get to church on Sunday. And then it's closed again until the next Sunday. And then we feel like, why isn't God speaking to me? Why don't I have a a spiritual walk like I see with some people? But we're guilty of never opening the word of God and we're never hearing what God is saying to us. I, I wrote down three things, three reasons why I think we don't hear from God. Um, here's the first one. You're not listening. You're just not listening to what God says. You know, I've said this to you before. It's kind of a, a time to admit some things in my life. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a great hearer. I'm a terrible listener. Um, Sue will tell you that. Um, she comes into the room and sometimes I say to her, honey, you got to get my attention, like grab me by the cheeks and just hold my face. Because um, I hear it, but I'm not listening to it. Uh, you can come to church and you can hear it, you can hear it, but you're not truly listening. You're not trying to understand how it will change your life. And so if your life seems dry and arid and you're struggling, the question is, are you actually listening to what God is saying to you. That might be one reason you don't hear from the Lord. Here's another one. You're not pursuing. You're not pursuing what God has to say. Your Bible hasn't been opened. You haven't read it. You're not studying it. And you wonder why your life just seems so dry. And the third reason you might not feel like God is speaking to you is because there's sin in your life and you're not not dealing with that sin. And although God may be speaking, you're not willing to do what he says. Um, The story of Elijah was the word of the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord came to him. So let's make sure we're people of God who are listening and pursuing and not allowing sin to silence what we should be hearing uh, from the word of God. And so for the next few minutes, I want us to just get our heads down into our Bibles and take a look at the narrative that's going on here. And after we walk through the narrative, we're going to go back and and pick out some things out of Obadiah's life that I think could be helpful for all of us. So in verse 1 says, After many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And so this drought is about to end. Um, Ahab is going to hear the message from Elijah And, um, but Elijah has to get up now and go and meet with the king. Don't let that pass by you easily. It's just like, well, yeah, he just said to go up and talk to the king. Let's understand what's going on in Ahab's life and how much he hates what Elijah has done. How much he hates what God has done and the God is sending him. Uh, Elijah has had this time at the brook where he was to go, the Bible says, go and hide yourself. Go and hide yourself That's so God could prepare him and train him and get him ready for all of this. And now God says, so now go and show yourself. Go and show yourself. There comes a point when you have to get up and start to do what God calls you to do. It's no longer time to hide yourself. It's time for you to go out and show yourself. Show yourself to Ahab. Verse 2 So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in the land. That helps you to understand the weight of what. Elijah is being asked to do but because God has prepared him for it he's willing to do whatever God calls him to do now we come to a part in the passage it's really a parenthesis that helps us to understand some background Uh, verses 3 to 6 and Ahab called Obadiah Obadiah, who was over the household now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly and when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water And Ahab said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs of water, to all the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and the mules alive and not lose some of the animals. So they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction himself and Obadiah went in another direction by himself. In this parenthesis, uh, there's some great things that uh, we need to see. First of all, we're introduced to this man, Obadiah. Obadiah's name meant servant of God or worshiper of Yahweh. There are about a dozen times you see the name Obadiah in the Bible. As far as I can tell, none of them are really connected. They're just 12 different Obadiahs. Uh, but this Obadiah, God calls to do something that is very diff- difficult and hard to do. But in the text, he's described with one quality. One quality. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. Well, that'd be great if that was said about you. But that'd be great if that was said about me. The one quality that this guy has is that he feared the Lord greatly. Now we're going to see some struggles he had. We're going to see some pain he went through. We're going to see a lot of fear in his life. But in his heart, at the core of who he was, he feared the Lord greatly. The next verse talks about Jezebel, who's on a murdering spree, Uh, and when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and he hid them. Pastor, how do you know that she was killing them? It just says, it doesn't say that there, it cut them off. We'll go down to verse 13. Has it not been told, my Lord, that I, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophet by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And so he takes a hundred of these prophets and he takes them away. There are about 2,000 caves in that area around. He hides them and he takes care of them. And that's what he was called to do. That's what he did. And then Ahab says to him, we got to go out and find some water and we got to find some springs. We got to find some land so that the horses and the animals will not be destroyed. We see a picture of Ahab who's seeking for grass when he should have been seeking for God. Ahab is so wicked. This drought is brought on because of the sin. And he's out trying to solve the problem on his own. And instead of seeking the Lord, he's seeking after a solution. I do that sometimes. You do that sometimes. And we got this thing in front of us and it's hard. And what do we find ourselves? I'm going to solve this problem. I'm going to solve this problem. And instead of seeking after God, we seek after a solution that we think is going to be better. And the story goes on. As Obadiah is out. Searching for water in pasture land in verse 7 and as Obadiah was on the way behold Elijah met him and Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said is it you my lord Elijah and then Elijah gives Obadiah a task and again don't let this pass by easily what Elijah is about to ask Obadiah to do he says in verse 8 and he answered it is I and Elijah says go tell your lord Ahab go tell Ahab behold Elijah is here. The response by Obadiah to this request is kind of like this. Are you kidding? You want me to go and tell Ahab that you're here? I don't think so. Bad plan. Elijah. Now that was the way I worded it. Let's see exactly what he said in verse 9. And he said, How have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? If I go, I'm as good as dead. I don't think you understand how serious this guy Ahab is. Obadiah is afraid. He says in verse 10, As the Lord your God lives, there's no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent to seek you. Ahab was on a uh, on a rant. He's out to find Elijah and Elijah is going to be killed and Obadiah is going to be, I'm not going to be the one uh, to deliver the message. Uh, This is not going to be good for me. What is it you want me to do? I'm afraid. Not only that, he goes on and he says, "Um, the Lord has sent me to seek you and And when they would say, he is not here, he would take an oath of the kingdom or nation uh, that they had not found you. And so Ahab was out going from kingdom to kingdom looking for this guy, Elijah. And when they would say, he's not here, he would make them take an oath. So Obadiah knows all of this. And that oath would be, if he's found in your kingdom, you're going to pay. I'm going to come back. And so Obadiah is afraid. He's afraid. Verse 11 and 12, And now you say, Go and tell your Lord, Behold, Elijah is here. And as soon as I have gone from you, the Spirit of the Lord will carry you. I know not where. And so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me, although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. And if Ahab is not ruthless enough, I'm not um, sure that you will even show up is what Obadiah says. And he goes, if that not enough, what about Jezebel? In verse 13, has it not been told you, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets? Like, I stuck out my neck. I stuck out my neck just to take care of the prophets. And now you want me to go into a situation that is certain death. Verse 15, and Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. And I love this verse. And so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. And when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Obadiah is afraid to go because he's afraid he will die. And Ahab um, meets with Elijah, and Elijah speaks the truth to him. Elijah goes, Eli- and Ahab says to Elijah, you are the troublemaker. You are the one who caused all this. And He's blaming Elijah, blaming Elijah, blaming Elijah when the blame lands squarely on him. It's like the kid who fails their math test and blames the teacher. Right? But they didn't bother to study. They didn't bother to prepare. That's what um, Ahab is doing, and I just love how Elijah, with confidence and boldness and courage, speaks the truth. A great parallel passage you should read sometime this afternoon or tomorrow is Psalm 27, 1 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamped against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, I will be confident." In the New Testament in Matthew 5, 11, and 12, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Elijah is a picture of faith and courage and boldness in the face of fear. Now he's not perfect. He's not perfect. We're going to see in a couple weeks, Jason will be preaching um, after we have uh, Mount Carmel next week, um, and then Jezebel comes out, and, and now her target is exactly on Elijah, and he is afraid, and he is afraid, and so if you struggle with fear, if you struggle with not being confident sometimes in the Lord, you're in great company. Elijah did. Lots of people in the Bible were, humanly speaking, at some point in their lives, a great failure, and then God worked in them, and Obadiah is a picture of this, and what I really want us to do for the rest of our time now is to, out of this narrative, let's uh, draw something specifically out of the life of Obadiah. Now, here's the first one. That's a great characteristic that he had. It said, Obadiah feared the Lord. That was the one character quality we already saw that it it said about him. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. In the Bible, there are two different kinds of fear that we see. There's the fear of the Lord there's the fear of the Lord. It's, it's described this way. It's a, a fear of reverence and of awe. It's not a sense of being afraid of something like the boogeyman is going to come at night and I climb on from underneath your bed and you're afraid. It's not like that. It's a sense of awe. It's a sense of um, worship. It's a sense of understanding who we are in Christ and what he's accomplished for us. Every believer in Jesus Christ, every follower of the Lord should fear the Lord. You get the opportunity on your face before God to talk directly to the king of the world, to the creator of the universe, and we should do that with a proper kind of fear, a proper kind of reverence, a proper kind of respect. That's the fear of the Lord. For the person who's an unbeliever, their fear of the Lord is a fear of judgment, of God, of eternal death, Separation from God in hell its the fear of the Lord. And so we have this first kind of fear, the fear of the Lord. For the believer, it's a sense of awe and respect and honor and worship. It's, it's Isaiah, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory and he's falling on his face before God. Why? Because he fears the Lord. And for the unbeliever, it's the fear of, if I die, what's going to happen to me? I'm to be separated from God for eternity in hell. Fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. And Jesus Christ answered that and solved that for us when he died on the cross so to pay a price for us to take our place so we can have eternal life. You don't have to have that kind of fear and you can have the fear of awe and worship and wonder at how awesome God is. Now, that's the first kind of fear. The second kind of fear is the kind of fear that describes um, Obadiah better, um, and that was the, uh, the spirit of fear, a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. So Obadiah, although he had this fear of the Lord he also had this other kind of fear. And I'm going to describe it in three ways. Here's the first one. Obadiah feared a person. Obadiah feared a person. That person he feared was Ahab. And on a human level, it made sense. In 1 Kings sixteen thirty, it says, And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, listen, more than all who were before him. Ahab was wicked. Ahab was ruthless. When it came to his life, he won the prize for the most wicked person. And Obadiah was afraid of him. He feared this person. Obadiah had a job of being the head of the household of the king. There's only other one picture of that that I'm aware of that in scripture that I can remember anyways, and that was the story of Joseph in Potiphar's house. He became over his household. And that didn't work out too well for him. In the short term, God was in control of all of it. But he ended up in prison. False charges brought against him. All the rest of it. And well, you have that on steroids with this guy. This guy's now over the king's house. He had a lot of influence. And so on the one hand, he feared the Lord. But on the other hand, he feared a man. He feared a man. I think it'd be described a bit like this, although he had this fear of the Lord that was in his heart. He was more like what we would call today a secret Christian. More like that. You didn't didn't live his faith out on his sleeve. How could he? He worked for Ahab and Jezebel. And so he's probably brought to compromise in his life on many different occasions. Um, F.B. Meyer, uh, Daniel quoted him last week. Here's a quote up on the screen, what F.B. Meyer thinks about this. He said, uh, but though a good man, there was evidently a great lack of moral strength, of backbone, of vigorous life in his character. Otherwise, he could never have held the position he did in the court of Ahab and Jezebel very few can occupy such a position without putting kid gloves on their hands and velvet sweet talk on their lips without dropping something of their uncompromising speech and there is every indication that this was the weak point with obadiah he was afraid he was afraid of the man he would do whatever it took to save his skin in the situation he found himself but maybe that's not that different from us. The consequences we're going to see, those things may be a little bit different, but maybe you're afraid of somebody because of the power that they have over you. And though it would be said of you, you fear the Lord it would also be said of you, you're afraid of that man or that woman. And if it wasn't enough that it was Ahab, he was married to this piece of work named Jezebel, who's out seeking to kill the prophets of God And he would have done everything he could to protect himself in that situation. Obadiah feared a man. Here's the second thing. Obadiah feared the circumstances. He feared the circumstances that were going on. In verse 2 it says, Now the famine was severe in Samaria. It's been going on for three years. There's been no rain. The book Kerith dried up a long time ago. There's no sound of water running in the brooks. There's no green pastures. There's no blossoms on the trees. The ground is chapped and barren. The calves are dying in the fields. Children are crying from lack of water and nourishment. And the famine is bringing out the true character of Ahab. The famine was severe in the land, and the circumstances are causing. Obadiah to take his eyes off of the Lord and be focused on these circumstances that are all around him. There's a New Testament illustration of a, another man who got his eyes onto the circumstances and off of the Lord and it was Peter in Matthew fourteen twenty nine to 31. And Jesus is out walking on the water remember and, and Peter sees him and he says Lord if it's you tell me to come. And Jesus says, come, and Peter gets out. And so Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water, and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, the circumstances, and when he saw the waves around him, he was afraid. He was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter, you were doing so well. You had faith. But then you got your eyes off of your faith and you got your eyes onto the circumstances and then you began to sink and you cried out, Lord, Lord, please save me. Why? Because he was afraid. I can't even imagine the sense of Obadiah's fear. I've never had anything. I didn't face what he faced. I've never had anybody say, you do that and you're going to die. So my question was, for me, what do I fear? Or what do you fear? What is that thing that you fear that's causing you to take your eyes off of the Lord that makes you afraid? Or maybe you're afraid, you're fearful because of the events that are going on in our world. You see, the way that our, our society around us is collapsing and less and less about the Lord and more and more about self and world events, maybe you uh, look at what's happening in the wars and rumors of wars and you become paralyzed by fear. Maybe your job situation is not as solid as it used to be. I talked with a man in one of the other services and uh, he was just talking about the things that he's afraid of. 99% of them never happen, won't happen, but he finds himself filled with fear. Maybe your housing situation, you find yourself overextended. You're not sure how you're going to pay the bills. Maybe there's something going on in your family. Maybe you're a mom or a dad and, and one of your kids is going sideways and you're filled with fear. Maybe you got a health report back and you're filled with fear. Maybe your finances aren't like you wish they were and the security is not the way it used to be. Maybe you're afraid if I stand for the Lord, I'm going to lose a position that maybe would be available to me. Or, or maybe you're afraid of the future. You're afraid of the future. You go, yeah, I'm okay now, but I'm not sure what it's going to be like. I'm, for some in the room, I'm not that very far from my pension, and I'm not sure if there's going to be enough to go around. And it's funny, I got in the mail just about a week ago from uh, Service Canada my uh, notice that I can apply for the Canada pension plan. (laughs) This is for old people. (laughs) I'm not old people. But when you turn 59, apparently they start to tell you how you can start to get your pension if you want it. I don't intend to for as long as necessary. But, um, you know, some people are really worried about that in their life. And they're filled with fear. They're filled with fear. Or maybe your fear is talking to your friend about the Lord Jesus Christ. Or maybe your fear is talking to a family member about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're so filled with fear. On Tuesday of this past week, as you know, I've got to go up to a new market for cardio rehab, and, and I'm going up there, and you've got to walk around this little track they have, and you've got to go around and around like 30 times. You have to go around for where I'm at now, and, and uh, there's a man there. He's a volunteer. His name is John And, uh, so John's there and what he does is he comes out and he'll start to walk with you. And I, I believe part of it is to make sure they want to make sure that you're not working too hard. You can carry on a conversation while you're doing what you're doing. And so, um, last week, John came out for a couple laps and we just talked about who knows what we talked about, but, um, he came out with me, um, this week. And so I'm on this track, I got to do 30 laps in this much time and I'm going to meet my goal. And John comes out. I know as soon as he starts, I say, slow me down. I'm not going to reach my goal. A little type A about those kind of things in my life. And, uh, but John and I start to talk and he asked me the question that usually kills the conversation for every preacher when he says that. So what do you do for a living? (laughs) And I know as soon as I answer, he's going to go and walk with somebody else, right? (laughs) And uh, I told him I'm the pastor and he goes, what church? I had Harvest Bible Channel. Oh, what's that church like? And he just started to ask questions. I could have said, you know, John, I really need to focus on my walking right now. I really want to get my time right. And he started to ask questions, and we talked about everything from the role of women in the church to the fact that it's the 500th anniversary of the Reformation this week to um, who is Jesus and how important a relationship with Christ is. I could have been fearful. I could have said, you know, John, I got to focus on this right now. We talk some other time. And God opened a door and I walked through the door. My question for you is, when has God opened the door for you recently and you haven't walked through the door? I've done that. Opportunities come and I'm too busy or in a hurry or I'm fearful. And I don't take the opportunity that God gives to me. See, don't be too hard on Obadiah. Obadiah was thinking he's going to die. We're going to see that in a second. And God opens a door for him, and he takes it, and he walks through it. And So Obadiah feared the person. Obadiah feared the circumstances. There's um, another thing Obadiah feared, and that was the consequences See, the consequences for him are way greater than any of the consequences I've ever faced when I think about fear. Um, He was on, if I do this thing you're asking me to do, Elijah, I'm dead meat. I will be dead. Notice the word kill in verse 9. How have I sinned against you that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? Verse 12, he will kill me. Verse 14, he will kill me. I get it why he was afraid. I get it. I don't get it why I'm so afraid. I have the best news there is to offer in a world that has no hope. And I'm afraid. And you're afraid. He will kill me. Now that's what he faced. The kind of pressure we face is I might lose a friend. I might lose a promotion. I might lose my employment. I might even lose my family because they will desert me. And Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, And do not fear those who will kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So even for Obadiah and the the pressure he was under, the Lord Jesus would have said to him, you don't need to fear the person who can take your life. You need to fear the one who controls your eternal destiny. That's where our focus needs to be. And God helping us, we would get our eyes set on the right, the right thing here, on the right purpose, on what God has called us to. Don't fear the one who could just take your life. Fear the one who can send you to hell. For the person who's in the room who's never trusted Jesus Christ. Your fear needs to be for your eternity. Not for your position. Not for your power. Not for prestige. Your fear needs to be when I stand before God, will I be right with him? And the only way we can be right with him is to be right in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation. That's where my hope is. That's where my trust is. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. We are so focused on these 70, 80, whatever years we have and we lose sight of what's really important. Don't worry about the person who could take your life. None of us are being called to that right now by the way that I know of. Don't worry about that person. You worry about the one who controls your soul in your eternity and you have never trusted Christ. Be careful, be so careful. What you are seeing is important what you are putting your hope in and finding yourself one day before God with no hope and being sent to hell. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and and be saved. But follower of Christ, the consequences of our fear The consequences of our fear are, we're not, we're not standing for the Lord. We're like Obadiah. I have this relationship, but when it gets hard, I just disappear. I fly under the radar, as it were, so that I will be safe. Here's the cool thing. The last thing about Obadiah, Obadiah finally obeyed. Finally, he obeys in verse 15 and 16. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him. So Obadiah is afraid that Elijah's the spirit of God is going to lead him off somewhere. He's not going to show up and he's going to be dead. Elijah makes a promise that I will come. And it says, I love these words. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab. Fear is set aside. Trust the Lord. And he goes to meet Ahab and he told him. And he didn't lose his life. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. Elijah promised he would show up. Our word is critical. But Elijah promises he will show up and he does. So when you think about this topic of fear, what's the opposite of fear? Some would say the opposite of fear is Faith. Our series is about fear and faith. Some would say the opposite of fear is courage. A pure person who is fearful, they're not acting out with courage. As I've been thinking about it, I believe that faith—faith—is critical in overcoming fear. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We don't have faith, we'll never overcome our fear. Um, I believe that courage is also important, but courage is the action to conquer fear. As I've thought about, I believe the opposite of fear is this, security and safety, security and safety. The people who overcome fear are people who know they're secure and they're safe, and that's why, that's why Obadiah is such a mess. He's afraid there's the famine out there. I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And his eyes were only on the temporal. His eyes were not on the eternal. The person who stands for the Lord is the person who is secure and the person who knows they're safe in the arms of Jesus Christ. That he's the one who takes care of us. He is our hope. And here's a great text for you about this. Psalm 56, one to four. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long. For many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? When my safety and my security our hope is tied up in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's promised, then we'll be willing to do, we'll be willing to step out of our boat like Peter did, we'll be willing to go back to Ahab as Obadiah did, and we will be uh, faithful people overcoming, conquering fear, and showing courage in moving forward. What's God calling you to do? What's God calling you to do? Well, so what? So what? Some of us, are, or sometimes, we've become too much like Obadiah. I've got that sense of fear of the Lord, but I'm not being obedient to what God has called us to do. Obadiah feared the Lord, but he feared a person, and he feared circumstances, and he feared the consequences more until ultimately he did what was right. The comment we put up on the screen to begin the service was, fear rules my life when my focus is in the wrong things or in the wrong direction. Ultimately, Obadiah did the right thing. Will you? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the example of Elijah and faithfulness and courage. And thank you for the example of Obadiah. And although he feared you, Lord, he feared other things more. And he's probably a great picture of so many of us in this room that have so much to learn about this and trust you for the outcome, knowing that the worst anyone could ever do to us is what his greatest fear was. But we don't need to worry that that's not our greatest concern. Our greatest concern is the one who holds the keys to our life and the keys to eternity but Father, I don't know of anyone in this room who's being called to, to step out and do something that their life is in jeopardy. And Lord, cause us to look at our selfishness and our pride and our, our own arrogance to want what we want more than what you want for us. Give us hearts that we would live out for the fame of our Savior Jesus Christ. We would be willing to pay the price. If it means losing a friend or losing a relationship or losing a job or losing a promotion, Lord, I'll do what you call me to do. You've been faithful to me all the way through my life. Why would you stop doing that now? Teach us, Lord, to walk humbly before you in ways that would bring you glory. Do that work for the fame of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name, amen.